a little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our Powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast. I'm Dave Ebert, and I'm really uh, glad to be able uh, to connect with you, to talk to you today. We've got a really fun episode, a really exciting episode, uh, as I get to interview one of my friends, uh, Michelle Monet. She's a life coach. Uh, she's a writer, a director, a producer. Uh, she's an author. Uh, she is also somebody that's uh, had quite a few challenges in life, um, and we get to talk about that with her testimony. Um, so we'll hear from that in just a moment. Uh, the reason that Michelle Monet is joining us is because uh, this Saturday, on May 9th, uh, I am in her production of My Last Party. It's a virtual play. We're actually performing the play online, live, uh, keeping the social distancing in place. It's going to be a very interesting uh, performance. But let me tell you about My Last Party. We'll get into it a lot more uh, during the interview. But My Last Party is a play about suicide awareness and suicide prevention. Uh, right now, uh, in these crazy times, especially in these crazy economic times, depression and mental illness and suicide are starting to climb. Uh, there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty out there. Uh, so we felt that putting this production on in the middle of this crisis uh, will hopefully raise awareness, raise awareness of the signs and the, and, and the indicators. And at the end of the day, we are hoping and praying that, that this production will uh, inspire somebody to step in and help save a life um, because we know that these kind of things start happening when there are major economic crises and there's a lot of fear and things like, going that, like that going on right now. So my last party, uh, the link is in the show notes. Uh, look up uh, the Reach Project on Facebook uh, if uh, you can't get to the links right now. But uh, the Reach Project is spelled R-E-E-C-H. The Reach Project, and uh, they are the uh, um, the charity, the uh, nonprofit that is overseeing the production of My Last Party this Saturday night, May 9th, twenty twenty, at six thirty p.m. Central Time. Um, it is a virtual performance, and your ticket, uh, which is a suggested donation of twenty dollars, uh, that donation of twenty dollars is going to get you a link into the production. Uh, only one uh, IP address per link. Uh, so that way we can uh, um, 
keep, make sure everybody that donates is able to get in uh, because it's limited uh, availability for seating. So I do hope that you will support the effort. Um, if uh, you're unable to attend but would like to still support the project and support suicide awareness and prevention, uh, please contact uh, Michelle Monet at The Reach Project and uh, see uh, what uh, you're able to do. But I do hope that uh, you and the family will uh, join us. Uh, it is not a kid's production. Uh, it is a very weighty subject that we're talking about, about depression and suicide. So... Uh, parental discretion certainly advised. Um, we talk about that a little bit uh, in uh, our interview as well. So we'll get to our interview with Michelle Monet in just a moment. Uh, but first, you know, we're talking about this uh, virtual production of My Last Party coming up this Saturday. But in the meantime, we're also doing something with our improv ministry, Wellverse Comedy. So if you would like to get your uh, small group, uh, your church small group, maybe uh, your staff from your office together, or maybe you have family spread out around the country you haven't seen or talked to them for a while. Let us orchestrate a a private party for you where Wellverse Comedy will perform and allow you and your friends and family to get all connected in one location virtually and enjoy an evening of laughter, of togetherness, of fellowship, and it'll just be a special opportunity. So if you're interested in scheduling something like that, we would love to talk to you. So email us at improv at wellversecomedy.com improv at wellversecomedy.com and let us schedule a virtual show for you your friends your family your co-workers your colleagues your small group whatever the case may be we would love to be a part of it and also consider us as you know we hope that everything will be open back up uh, in time for the holidays so maybe now is the time to start planning your holiday get-togethers your fall get-togethers and when everything's open back up we'd love to come out and talk to you and perform for your group, for your get-together, for your celebration. So again, improv at wellversecomedy.com. We'd love to do that for you. Now let's move on to our Devotions with Dave segment uh, for today. Uh, for today, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, verse 13 is what I'm going to focus on. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not permit you to be tempted above what you can endure, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, I do believe I might have covered this before in one of the previous editions of the uh, podcast, uh, but it, it's one of those verses that speaks to me constantly, and you can never revisit this one enough, especially in a world where so often you hear uh, this verse kind of misquoted or misrepresented. You'll hear somebody say something along the lines of, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never uh, give you more than, than you you can cover. That's not true. I, I really, I would always take issue with that because uh, it's not necessarily, number one, it's not God giving you these things. It's it's the um, curse of the fallen, broken world. It's the curse of sin and being in this fallen world that we are in places where we're tempted. We're, we're in places where we will um, encounter circumstances that we can't overcome on our own. Uh, so it's not necessarily uh, right to consider that it's God giving it to you. So that's the first thing. So when somebody says God will never give you more than you can handle, it's not God doing it because God is love. He is beauty. He is life. And he's not going to give you things that are going to um, do things that are opposite of his nature. Uh, so that's the first uh, problem with that um, misquoting of the scripture. 
Also, you will encounter things that are more than you can handle, because if you could handle it, then in our finite minds, we would think that we would need God if we can handle it all. So sometimes God allows, he doesn't necessarily give, but he allows things to happen in such a way that we realize the need for for God, for Jesus Christ as our Savior, for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So that scripture is often taken out of context or completely misquoted. But what it does promise us is that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can endure because he's always going to give us a way out. He's always going to give us a way to face the temptation and and get out of it. It's not always going to be easy. And in fact, temptation is not really temptation if it is easy. So don't be in such a place where you think that you cannot overcome temptation. And also don't think that overcoming temptation is going to be easy. But God will give you a way out. He is faithful to always give you a way out. So let's revisit the actual scripture. I'm reading from uh, the ESV version. Um, so the, uh, the verse, once again, is 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not permit you to be tempted above what you can endure, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So God will not let you be overcome by temptation. It's just up to you on whether or not you're going to take the way out that he provides. And again, it may be a painful way out because temptation is not easy. It's not um, anything to be taken lightly. Um, But temptation is also not sin. So don't ever get condemned or feel condemnation because you've been tempted. Because there is no sin in the actual temptation. It's what you do with it, how you respond to it. Um, So God gives us his word. He gives us his promises. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome and escape all that temptation. So don't think that God gives you temptation because God is not evil. He does not tempt you to do things that are against his nature, but he will allow them to happen because of our choices and to allow us to grow and to make better decisions. So just take comfort in knowing that God will always provide a way out, and he is always faithful. He always loves you. And I always encourage you, especially during this time when um, many of us, um, I can't speak for myself because I kind of keep my schedule busy even despite uh, everything being closed down, but for many of us, and I need to do a better job of it, is spend time in the Word and get a better understanding, get better context uh, for some of your favorite verses so that... Uh, you can withstand, because that's how Jesus fought temptation. Jesus fought temptation not with cunning words or with uh, deception or games or smoke and mirrors. When he was faced with temptation in the wilderness, he used nothing more than the Word of God. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. But we can't use the Word of God to overcome temptation if we don't know the Word of God. So spend time uh, during these uh, down periods. Make time. Uh, don't think of, that of it as if I have time. Make the time. Make it a priority. Uh, because um, you're not going to be able to fight temptation effectively if you don't spend time in the Word and if you don't spend time with the author of the Word. So that was our Devotions with Dave segment uh, for this week. I uh, hope it speaks to you and I hope you will spend time in the Word, spend time with the Lord, uh, especially during these crazy times. You. It would not, it would be a waste of time 
to not use the, the free time given to get closer to God. So I want to encourage you with that. And now let's get to our interview. We uh, interview with uh, Michelle Monet. Uh, she is a life expert and relationship coach. She's the founder and president of the Reach Project and the writer, director, and producer of My Last Party, uh, which is a riveting stage production that gives accounts of how suicide can affect and infect everyday people no matter where they come from. Uh, so we talk about suicide. We talk about some heavy topics. Uh, so um, parental discretion is advised for, for this interview and also for the production of My Last Party. Um, you are the best uh, judge of, of what your uh, children are able to process and understand. Um, so if you believe that they are able to process and understand, then I would encourage you to have them join us for My Last Party this Saturday. Uh, 6.30 Central. The links are in the show notes or look up The Reach Project on Facebook. That's The Reach Project spelled R-E-E-C-H. R-E-E-C-H. The Reach Project. And now it's Michelle Monet on the Gifts of Glory podcast where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. And welcome back to the Gifts of Glory podcast. Dave Ebert, I am now joined by Michelle Monet. Uh, she is a wearer of many hats. Uh, but here we're going to talk today about the, uh, the Reach Project and My Last Party, which is happening this Saturday, May 9th. It's a virtual production, and uh, we'll get into uh, what it's about and what the Reach Project is all about. So please welcome my guest, Michelle Monet. How are you? I am wonderful, Dave. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am excited. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, I didn't want to try to attempt to give your title because you do it so eloquently. What's your current title uh, uh, with what you're doing? So I'm a C I am a certified life professional and relationship coach, but I also am the president and founder of The Reach Project. So my coaching business is my business, my for-profit, and then my... Um, my nonprofit is the Reach Project. So, as a, a life coach, um, you're based out of Atlanta. Are you doing only in Atlanta clients, or do you serve worldwide? Uh, what's your business look like? Well, I because I mean, so the change in the dynamics of how we're doing this whole pandemic thing, being at home, perfect for me because my business is everywhere. I do coaching online. I do coaching by phone. So, you know, it's all over the world. I have uh, clients in different areas of the country. So what kind of uh, coaching do you do? I, um, you know, life coaching seems kind of a, a broad spectrum. So do you have a specialty? What, uh, what exactly does life coaching look like? Well, I am certified life and professional, which means I can do the broad, but my niche is relationships. I have a thing. I, I'm, I'm really passionate when it comes to relationships, um, be it familial or be it romantic. That's, uh, so I, my focus is relationships. Nice. And then uh, you also said you're the uh, the founder, the president, CEO, the head booker, talent <laughs> for uh, the REACH Project. What is the REACH Project and what's the uh, the vision behind that? Okay, so the REACH Project, REACH is an acronym, R-E-E-C-H, and it stands for Responsibility, Encouragement, Empowerment, Community, and Honor. And we use the arts, such as my last party, to combat bullying, depression, and suicide. And when did uh, the REACH Project start, and uh, what are some of the things other than uh, my last party that, uh, that you've done through uh, REACH? 
So I go to schools when they're open, uh, go to schools and talk about suicide awareness, teaching the children because they need to know, you know, um, what that looks like so that they don't think that just as they're just going through something. Some people can feel like well, I must be crazy. It must be something wrong with me. No, there's something going on and we can narrow that down by showing you what that looks like. Uh, dealing with bullying, showing the kids how not to be bullies and how not to be bullied. Uh, we deal with depression. We also teach the, the parents. So we do a workshop for the parents to come out to be able to tell them exactly what's happening, what to look for um, with your child, uh, what to look for with other family members, um, and really teaching them the whole dynamics of that. I am also a, uh, an advocate for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, which allows me to do uh, their video, uh, which is so sad. So sad kind of gives these different dynamics and different uh, things. It's kind of similar to what I do with my last party because it's monologue based. Um, so there's different stories um, that they talk about. Um, so, you know, dealing with things of that sort, I am also an author. Uh, I, I like to say um, I'm a disruptor, if you will, that kind of takes the negative and flips it to a positive um, because the name of my book is Rejection Saved My Life. And people were thinking, how does rejection save your life? Well, it can. Not all rejection is bad. Hence, Christ, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that we do as part of our show is find out a little bit about our guest and as much as they're comfortable sharing about your testimony. Because Gifts for Glory is all about using our gifts for God's glory. And uh, that's exactly what you're doing through the REACH Project. And I'm sure it, it, it uh, is a major part of your coaching. Um, but how did you get there? Tell us a little bit or as much as you want about your story, about how you came to know Jesus and what led up to that. Okay. So, you know, I've grown up in the church, if you will. Um, my grandmother was a reverend. Um, she was married to a reverend. I grew up, you know, all my young adult years, uh, young years going to church, being quote unquote made to go to church. Um, so I did not take it into my heart until I had to have my own encounter with God. That was somewhere around 32-ish, okay? Um, and I say-ish because that was around the time when I started to feel like, you know, because many years I didn't like me. I didn't know who I was. I hated what I looked like. I was always a little dark little girl, um, but I talked kind of proper with quotes, air quotes there. Um, and so I got teased. I got teased um, a lot, um, bullied a lot. Um, I wasn't ever in one place for a long time because me and my parents had moved a lot. Uh, went to seven different grammar schools, went to the same high school only because I was just saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change schools again. Um, but all of that, I tell that to say that it caused me not to know who I was. And so when you don't know who you are, you're, you're, you're confused and confusion is always where the enemy rides, right? So when I was dealing in this confusion, nowhere in there was God. He, he could not, he, and he's not going to force himself on you. So he's not going to in place, uh, insert himself into something that's chaotic. You have to clear that out and, and invite him in. So around 32, I remember standing in the mirror and saying to myself, I kind of like you. And I had met this young lady and she, she began to, you know, to minister to me and talk about God. I was like, really? Uh, okay, that's not the God I know. 
because I had always heard, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. I wasn't hearing about the love and the grace that God had for me in spite of all the stuff that I had did in my life. And what that, all those negative things made me feel like, why are you here? What are you, what are you doing? You need to just go ahead and die. And I would just, I was just, I don't want to say infatuated because I didn't love, have the love for that, but I was so comfortable in the negativity of that chaos that it just became natural. It became comfortable and I wasn't fighting to do it until I realized, you know, my worth, until I realized that there was something more to me. Um, so, you know, I attempted uh, suicide myself three times until the last time I woke up with blue bags sitting around me because they had to resuscitate me and bring me back to life. Um, and even after that, I still dealt with the depression. I still dealt with the um, the suicidal thoughts, but I just never went through with it because when you're trying to come out of, uh, and this is my own personal experience, you're coming out of being resuscitated and they, they have tubes down your throat and they're not gently pulling the tube out of your throat. They're snatching it out. That doesn't feel good. So in your mind, in my mind, at least, I was like, okay, that didn't feel good. I don't want to do that no more. Cause if I live, which I was kind of ticked off that I lived I'm like what I woke up what you know so I was like I don't I, I want the pain to stop but I don't necessarily want to do that because that hurt um so you know going going through all of those things dealing with those feelings and those uh emotions and trying to find myself um until I met a young lady who has a play uh it's called 13 women her name is L.A. Holt she has a play and my character was low self-esteem. Mm. I did, I have never had the opportunity to share with the world for lack of better terms, how I felt without them seeing me. I got to step behind this character and tell them what I was feeling. And that gave me a deliverance. And so when I felt like, wow, this felt good. I feel like, so the next time I was doing it, like I did it like three or four times. The second time I did, I'm like, I don't need that character. <laughs> I'm way past low self-esteem. I got confidence now <laughs> because it really helped me deal with that part of me. You know, so I realized that the arts was helpful to me. So it could at least possibly help somebody else. Um, so I didn't necessarily automatically go into the whole suicide awareness initially when I started my nonprofit because I was afraid of people knowing my truth. I knew my truth and I was living in my truth now, but the world didn't need to know. I was like, no, I'm not telling that. So we were at a round table one day and my daughter-in-law had said, mom, we should deal with suicide awareness. I was like, mm-mm, we're not doing that. Because now I have to tell my whole story to my kids. They look at me as like a, like a shero. I'm not doing that. So I woke up the next morning and the father said, yes, you will deal with it. And I'm thinking, you the boss, ain't you? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I sat down, I wrote the play in three hours and here we are. Here we are. I, I, I went... You know, but one of the challenges that I had when I first started the My Last Party and the REACH Project and dealing with suicide, depression, and bullying is I got all of this, people didn't understand. They took it like, 
oh my God, you, this is negative. We don't want to deal with that. So that's why I started my coaching practice to kind of deal with the high level of it. Let me, let me build up you, build you up so that you're not dealing with the low self-esteem, that depression and the, the suicidal thoughts. So that's where, that's where we are. So my last party, uh, we've done it live twice, um, once in suburban Chicago, once in downtown Chicago, and now we're doing it virtually this Saturday, May 9th. Uh, the tickets uh, will be in the show notes, uh, how to get those $20 donation. Uh, and uh, where's the $20 donation go? What's that uh, going to help support? So that's going to help support the REACH project. I mean, yeah, the REACH project's my last party. So we want to be able to show this production to as many people as possible. And for those who don't know, putting on a, project, product, blah, pr putting on a production is not cheap. Um, I've done it out of my pocket a couple times, and I'm not able to do that. So I'm just soliciting the we do it and we redo it. So all that money goes right back into the production to do it over again. So that's pretty much where those donations go. And if you if you end up doing anything over, I think it's $25, but you have, want to ask your tax preparer that you can write it off. So I know the tickets are 20, but if you buy two or you send somebody else one, because um, you can only buy one per IP address. Um, so, but if you send somebody else one, you could take that, that, that $40 and write it off on your taxes the next year. Awesome. And uh, so without giving away too much of the uh, story, uh, what can people expect from my last party on Saturday? What are they? Um, is it a comedy? Is it a drama? What should they uh, expect going in? So they should expect everything, <laughs> everything and nothing at all. And let me tell you what that means. Simply because my last party is a riveting stage play that's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you want to throw things at the screen. It's going to make you feel like, oh, my God. It's going to take you through all of those things so that you can understand that you, you're going to see somebody that you know. I don't care. Out of these 10 people that are going to be on this stage, you're going to see either something in yourself or somebody that you know, and you're going to want to be able to share that with somebody else and say, hey, so-and-so, guess what? Look at this. So it's made that way so that you can connect in that manner. So they're going to be able to see a conglomerate of emotions. <laughs> Would you uh, recommend uh, kids, or um, is there a certain age limit you think uh, we should uh, avoid going under? What do you think as far as kids? Well, I would say this because every parent knows their child, right? So, I mean, you have some kids who are so smart that they could handle this. Like I have a niece and nephew that are seven and five. They would be able to, they would be able to actually understand what's happening. They're rooted in the word. Could, you know, you would be surprised these kids, how they know the word and they would be able to say, okay, God is in this, God is not in that, or God, they should pray this and different things like that. So I would say, um, be, be mindful of who your kids are. I wouldn't put it in this big round umbrella. And I say that because we had a seven-year-old at our first production and that seven-year-old was able to go to school and look at some symptoms and signs of a, uh, a student that their co-student and say, teacher, so-and-so, so-and-so is going through this, and I just learned at the My Last Party production this. And they were actually able to uncover some things that that kid was hiding.
we had a seven-year-old at our first production. And that seven-year-old was able to go to school and look at some symptoms and signs of a, uh, a student that their co-student and say, teacher, so-and-so, so-and-so is going through this. And I just learned at the My Last Party production this. And they were actually able to uncover some things that that kid was hiding. Mm. So I would say, know your kids. If you think that your kids could handle this, then you let them see it. If you don't think that, then you should be mindful of that. Um, because I don't think, I, I, there are, the first year we did it, I found out that a young man in the suburb that I was living in, I lived in Park Forest and this was in, um, Oh, shoot. It's not Park Forest. It's one right. University Park. Thank you, Father. Um, University Park, right next door to the, my suburb, a seven-year-old took his life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this stigma doesn't hit a certain age. Um, this stigma can go, this epidemic can go to any age. Um, so I would say just really know your kid, know what your kid can handle. And, you know, but even after that, even if you decide not to allow your child to attend, definitely talk to them about it. Absolutely, because there are kids younger and younger, it seems, every year that, that are committed to suicide because they're getting bullied or or something's going on in their lives. Uh, maybe they've been abused and they don't know how to handle it, things like that. So mm -hmm. it's... It, Suicide is not a respecter of person or age. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're rich or dirt poor. There are people in our in our peer groups, no matter who you are, that are on that verge or are going to take that step, unfortunately. Yes, absolutely. And that's why we need to make everybody aware um, of that. There's so many different things that people don't know, so many different myths and so many different things that people automatically assume, which is why they don't go towards it. They don't want to know about it because the ignorance quite kind of, you know, is bliss to them. Um, but if you don't know that young people, uh, people of color, um, people that are rich, um, all, the all the myths, people think that, oh, why do you want to die? You have all the money in the world. Or I've heard and, you know, I've heard, oh, that's a Caucasian thing, or it's, it's all of these different ignorant things that people do not know. And it's not that they're being ignorant by, you know, oh, I just want to be this way. It's because they just don't know. Um, they, they don't think that pastors deal with depression and suicide. Why would you deal with depression and suicide? You're like the highest person in the church. You know God. And, you know, so it's so many different myths that just have to be broken. And when you get to, when, you, when you're in a position where people are stuck in those myths, they don't want to hear anything else. And so they open themselves up by coming to learn more. Then that's when they can find, oh, I didn't know that. You know, like something that floored me today, because I've been giving the stats out for the last five, six years, about 40, anywhere from between 40,000 and 50,000 people die every year. Worldwide, 800,000 people annually die by suicide. 800,000 people worldwide. 
And, you know, one of the other things I found out too in doing my research is over in Sweden. I kept saying Australia, but it's not. It's Sweden and Norway over in, in that um, in that demographics uh, abroad where they have lowered their suicide rate by 50% wow. using wow. the arts. Using the arts. And that is because people like to be entertained. Mm -hmm. So if I can entertain you, then I can teach you. Because we have to first give them what they want to give them what they need. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really important. It's a conversation that needs to be had uh, for those parents that may be listening. Uh, parental discretion, depending on what your child is able to handle. Um, and if you're, if you're on the fence, go ahead and ask them not to be in the room and then have the conversation with them uh, to say, well, this is what mommy and daddy, or this is what we watched and this is what we learned. Um, have you ever heard of suicide? Do you know what it means? Do you, uh, do you know anybody that's exhibiting these sort of things? So whether or not your child watches, I would encourage the conversation as well. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. Well, Michelle Monet, I have one last segment uh, of the show. It's I usually try to keep it a surprise because I don't want you to worry about it. Uh, this is called the interrogation. So what happens is I fire off six, ran or I'm sorry, seven random questions, and uh, you know just whatever your best answer is for each one. Uh, they're mostly softballs, but a couple might be a little bit challenging. Okay, I'm so, ready. <laughs> so you're coming to us from the suburbs of Atlanta. What do you miss most about Chicago? Lakeshore Drive. Nice. What's one thing about Atlanta that you think we need in Chicago? Sun. Sounds good. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what keeps you up at night? What, uh, what fears do you have? That I would not leave a mark before I leave this earth. And if you could change anything about the world right now, what would it be? Hatred. Nice. Um, who inspires you? Who are your inspirations? My dad and my children. My dad is an amazing man. He raised three baby girls for years by himself. And he, he inspires me. He, he's, a, he's a hard, strict man, but I, I appreciate that now. Not so much when I was a kid, because I remember, you know, being in the world, cussing him out, walking, <laughs> because <laughs> he made me, <laughs> this is a funny story. I used to work at a bank, and I used to always forget to get money out, so he would come and get me. But that last time, no, he made me walk from Clark and Division to where the United Center is. That's not a short walk at all. Not at all. Took me a few hours. Yep, I had to walk. And I was, oh, I was a bad-mouthed little girl at that point. So, yeah, I was talking about him the whole way. But I promise you, I never happened again. It never happened again. So I, I, I love my dad. My children make me want to be better. Um, when they say to me, Mom, you're the best mom in the world. Oh, you know everything. No, I don't. But I better go find out how to. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want them to stop thinking that. <laughs> All right, question number six. What's on your current playlist? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I'm so bad with names, but the song says um, a, a million galaxies, a billion. Oh, my goodness. What's the name of this song? 
a billion, it says, uh, you created a billion gal galaxies with your voice. Um, Is it the song, So Will I? Yes. If they will praise you, so will I? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I sing that song all day long. That one, and it's another one. Oh, I'm so bad with names. But it's, it's all gospel because I have to protect my mind. I'm a single woman. Um, I protect my mind and my flesh. I don't. Uh, there's times I do listen to some India RE, but that's as far as I go because I need to make sure that my mind stays clean. <laughs> I completely understand that. Uh, so final question is, uh, if money were an object, what would your dream job be? I would be a speaker all over this world. What would your uh, primary uh, thing be? Would it be suicide prevention or what do you think your uh, primary would be? I would be speaking about turning the negative because I'm good for that rejection saved my life, how to, um, how to take you know, the suicides, that the things that you've gone through and turn them into fuel, how to take it, just motivating, motivating, empowerment, um, really just building people up. I have, I have a passion for that. I, I believe that in order for us to build other people, we have to first build up inside. And sometimes we don't know how to do that. So I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to, to, to tell people how to, how to, to forgive themselves, how to, um, love themselves because you can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself first. And that's according to my word, that's happened to be the second commandment that you, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And see, a lot of people don't get that. They don't understand that when you say, I love you, if you don't love yourself, you're not quite telling the truth. And it, it's not, it's not that you don't mean to, but you don't know what it really looks like. Because when you really love yourself, you are going to fill yourself up so that you can pour out instantly, freely to other people. And you don't feel like you're, you have been exhausted after you do it if you don't get it back. So I just, I want to be able to show people how to do that. So, and, and, and my hopes is if I can help build you up, then we're not going to be dealing with low self-esteem, depression and bullying and suicide. And we can all be who God created us to be because he created us, created us in his image. And I don't think that he has low self-esteem. I don't think that he deals about deals with suicide and depression. I don't think he deals with those things, but when we really know who we are, who we were created to be, and we take on that persona and we consistently do it because it's a, it's a life's work. It's not something you do today and don't have to do tomorrow. You know, there's challenging things that I have in my mind. I have to go, I, 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 nope, not today. We're not dealing with that. And I fall off because I'm human, as, as we say, but I still have to know, mm -mm. okay, I deal with that for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, three hours. All right, we're, doing with, we're done with that today. And I want to teach people how to do that quickly. Outstanding. So my final question that I always end up with is, uh, for anybody that listens that um, is looking to use their gifts for God's glory, what will be your wise counsel to somebody on how to step into that? First of all, you have to seek the father because you cannot get a purpose of something, which is your gift without first knowing the manufacturer. So you want to first get your own personal relationship with him because so many of our gifts come without repentance means that we just sometimes happen to fall in them 
and we still may not have a, a natural relationship with the father. So first I would say, get with him, you know, have some conversations, some real heart to heart. Don't talk to him corporately. And when I say corporately, I'm talking about corporate voice. Like, you know how you have that corporate voice. Well, hello. Thank you very much. No, <laughs> get with him and say, look, look, father, uh, I can't do this right now. You know, <laughs> you, you know, your girl, you know, things like that. So however your voice is, whatever that sounds like for you, have that, that conversation with him and let him know where you are so he can meet you where you are. And then once he reveals to you what that gift is, hone in on it. Because, you know, you have to make sure that you're taking care of it. The, the Bible says that when, when much is given, when that gift is given, much is required. So that means if your gift is singing, don't go thinking that you're just going to use the gift and that that voice not, may not get cracked sometimes, that you don't have to, you know, prepare. You don't have to practice. You don't have to do those things. If your gift is teaching, don't think that you don't have to educate yourself to, in order to teach, you know, the word. If your gift is, you know, arts and, and comedy and all those things, make sure that you're seeing what's happening, how things are, are rotating around you so that you can stay relevant and according to the, the word and, and the father, you know, different things like that. You have to make sure that you are honing on and preparing and practicing and doing what, what the Lord tells you to do with that gift so that it can, it can then make room for you because he's not going to, this is one thing that I love about the father and people get confused about the father's not going to ever be embarrassed. So he's not going to ever put you on a platform where it's going to embarrass you because especially if you're coming in his name. So he's either going to make sure that you're prepared or he's going to speak straight through you. And sometimes you'll go, did I just say that? No, God did, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I just, just prepare. The, the word says that to prepare and to show yourself worthy. So, you know, do that. And I think that your gift, again, will make room for you. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh, we hope that we'll see an abundance of people uh, to capacity uh, this Saturday for my last party. And uh, we'll have all the links to uh, Michelle Maloney's book, uh, her website, if you're looking for life coaching, and to the REACH Project if you're interested in contributing even outside of the, uh, the production this Saturday. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, I hope you have a, a great week and I'll uh, talk to you on Saturday. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.